Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I listed out a couple of players for us to talk about. MLB is seeing a lot of player movement these days. Uh, let's just let's start it off. Arenado in red, St. Louis. Arenado in red, surprising. I that one. I mean, that was really interesting because that is une, unexpected. I yeah, that that is very unexpected. Like this this is not this is. We are not. We are no longer in an era where there are legitimately surprise, legitimately surprising trades that frequently. Yeah, usually we have a a pretty good sense of the options. But this this diminishes Arenado's value, right? Yes. By how much, in your estimation? I guess there are a couple of reasons why Arenado is less valuable now. One is that he is out of. Colorado it's a clear loss of value and then two is that it seems like St. Louis is a black hole for fantasy relevant players they might be a winning team but their fantasy players are not winning players St. Louis's optimization versus fantasy optimization is like completely orthogonal (laughs) like I don't know what it is but like you're absolutely right they field a good they field basically a playoff bound team every year and there's two to three fantasy relevant guys on that team every year <laughs> that's it right and they're not they're not usually top top guys no i'm trying to look at who who we well, goldschmidt. might i mean i'm thinking about goldschmidt went there and just his value plummeted so we we currently would say that the most valuable person on their team fantasy wise is flaherty wow and what what is he at 51 which is which is we're probably bullish on him even Compared to compared to some other people, and then we would say Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung, and then it's like really rough. Unless you think Tommy Edmond's going to have a breakout year. Oh, I love Tommy Edmond. Who wouldn't love but Tommy Edmond to have a breakout well, year? Wasn't he? Wasn't he at third? So yeah, what is Tommy Edmond going to do? Because <laughs> uh, DeYoung oh, no. DeYoung's firm at short, so Edmond's going to play second. I mean, Edmond played a bunch of positions. I think. He before did. last year so you could slide him around but i think he's gonna be probably gonna be in left field you want to do a quick epl pick games uh, or do you want to pick the super bowl i i want to i want to pick both i'm i'm all about i'm i'm all about forecasting we gotta we gotta put this on the record right so super bowl we're in on the chiefs i'm gonna yeah i want i want the chiefs to win i feel somewhat confident that they will win um yeah there you go. EPL doing this uh, double match day thing again to us. Okay, here here are the games that I'm that I'm looking that I'm not looking at. First of all, not looking at Newcastle Crystal Palace. No, 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 they're off. We we can't do that. Not looking at Aston Villa West Ham, which is disappointing because I love picking the Hammers. I so do I. Sheffield West Brom slap fight. <laughs> can't do that. 
One one draw. Uh, don't you don't say one one because you said you you know threw one one out there and then they scored two goals each. <laughs> I well okay fine I will take a two two draw after saying one one draw. That's fair. I mean, what else is exciting here? Tottenham Chelsea is a top tier. That feels like a, that feels like those tend to draws. Tottenham has to win though because Chelsea just fired their manager. So Tottenham has to win for their pride Jose. or what? <laughs> Well, Jose used to be the Chelsea manager yeah, yeah. and um, wants to beat Chelsea anytime that he can. That's the kind of game that he does win. That's an interesting that's an interesting one. Um I think you know, we're getting we're getting deep enough in the season where teams have gotta win. To teams have gotta win for their tables, for the table here. Because the things could rapidly get out of hand where you can't catch the team at the top of the table. <laughs> yes, I agree. If you're yeah, I mean if looking looking at it right now, Man City's got three points on on Man U. So, like, I would expect that Man U, Liverpool, Leicester, they all need to win this week. I take Leicester. I take Man U. I don't think the Leeds Everton, I, I really can't call that. <laughs> I just... And I would say Tottenham. Okay. Or 1-1 draw. No. Sheffield, West Brom. No way. Leicester. West Brom can't Man do that two, time, two weeks in a row. I can't. I... <laughs> It would be, well, Sheffield, Sheffield, it's just insane to me that Sheffield is, like, actually favored over West Brom. But West Brom is terrible. <clears throat> You've said that from the beginning of the year, that they're the worst team. And well, I, I, still, think that I still stand by Sheffield it. Sheffield has played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, even though they're at the bottom of the table. Well, West Brom has been terrible. I do think West Brom is singularly bad. <laughs> Big updates on paper in terms <sighs> of the rankings. But... You know, not. I, I feel kind of cheating because I just fired up the exact same algorithms from last year and they worked. So, I. I, and you're I know sure that you're you're sure that you're pointing to new files. Well, you can. Hey, this is the nice thing, right? Is that you have access to all of last year's projections too, so you can see the difference. Yeah, the difference. Yeah. Do you want to go over your top ten? Apparently, from your first blush at the projections yeah i mean i'll briefly explain right so as per last week what we talked about we ingested ips and pas i thought i was going to leave it there and then i just couldn't leave well enough alone so i slammed them uh, together yep so you did i think what we want to talk about is how to tune this so that we can slot pitchers in amongst hitters mm -hmm. but more effectively more effectively but i'll just give you where we're at right now because right now the first pitcher if if you were to theoretically draft from this list which you shouldn't do for a myriad <laughs> myriad reasons yeah if you were to theoretically draft from this list you would finally pick jake degrom number 17 as Fine. the first pitcher 17 though number 17 okay we've had worse we've had well we we have we've demonstrably had worse. worse that's true all right top 10 because you want to you want to make sure that your rankings are actually doing something correct. Well, yes, let's let's hold it there for a second. Okay. I don't think that that's wrong because the innings pitched assumptions that we're going off of are so much lower than they were a year a year ago and in years past. So yeah, there's not you should not be p drafting a pitcher in the first round of a 12 team or 10 team. I think that that's right. And the pitchers that are up the highest are the ones that are the closest to 200 
innings projected. So I think that's right. And that the stochasticity of the pitching angle this year is so high. You, you probably shouldn't be in there. <laughs> you shouldn't be pitching. You shouldn't be um, pitching a pitcher as your top pick uh, this year. Okay. So I'm, I'm all for that. And I think that that's, that's right. So we have 16, 17 of the top 50 are pitchers. So we would say, okay, let's say you're going through four rounds in a 12-teamer, five rounds in a 10-teamer. A third of those should be pitchers. Yeah, there's a certain point where you have to start taking pitchers, no matter what. All right, well, let, we'll get into those specifics. Because I, I think, yeah, slotting the pitchers in for value relative to hitters is such an interesting draft question i mean i think i think that is always that is the most interesting draft question to me it's always. like when do you decide to pull the trigger on a pitcher yep so but let, let me give you the top 10 and then we'll come back to the pitchers here so top 10 are our rankings doing things correctly mookie Betts, trey Sounds turner fine. trevor okay. story sure jose ramirez well juan soto yeah xander bogarts oh no fernando tatis Nice. Freddie Freeman, Ronald yep. Acuna, heard of him? Ozzy Albies. Oof! I am shocked that you have Ozzy Albies as the top ten. But then, okay, Ozzy Albies, Ozzy Albies, hundred runs, ninety RBIs. Like, unfortunately, when you get that, you're gonna end up in the top ten. Well, I mean, then the, okay, but who's number eleven? Mike Trout. Okay, so, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And then you have, you, you go Mike Trout, Manny Machado, Christian Yelich. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, so one thing that we've always noticed that we noticed last year we didn't fix is that stolen bases give you major upweighting. In terms of... <sighs> yeah, but Ozzy's getting 13. I just don't know why. I don't understand. And I, I actually sort of get it on the Mike Trout piece of it. No, I don't get it. I don't get it. How are we saying uh, you'd rather have Ozzy Albies than Mike Trout? Be solely, be, basically solely because of the stolen base limit. Because there's a huge difference in terms of for guys that can get you over that 10 stolen base hump versus mm-hmm. the guys that are below 10 stolen bases. So the the steepness of the curve at that point is huge. So okay. this this is the problem with stolen bases is that you know you end up with massive fall off. Like look at Freddie Freeman. We're forecasting him for 306 average, 35 home runs, 112 runs, 118 RBIs. But the fact that he has six stolen bases pushes him down. And right? that's I mean, the Xander Bogarts. Is yeah, look it, at him relative to Bogarts and Tatis. Yeah, well Tatis I'm fine with. So the two guys that I would, I I mean. Bogarts and Ozzy Albies, two players that I really like, quite, quite frankly, but I would like them in the second round. I mean, Bogarts actually probably the third round. Actually, both of them probably in the third, <laughs> third round. Um, I, I think that that we have them ahead of Yelich and Trout not being in the first round is probably, we need to figure out how, how we can adjust things to get that. Can I tell you what the Fantasy Pros top 10 yeah, is? Yeah, I'd love to know. Consensus rankings. Number one, Ronald Acuna. Number two, Mookie Betts. Number three, Fernando Tatis. Number four, Mike Trout. Number five, Juan Soto. Number six, Trey Turner. Number seven, aforementioned Jacob deGrom. Number eight, 
Christian Yelich. Number nine, Trevor Story. And number 10, Garrett Cole. See, I mean, this this gets to the thing. Like, are those, are those people actually going to pick Jake DeGrom and Garrett Cole in the first 10? I don't think so. So this, and I think that we, I don't think that you should. So let's let's just go, and then it's Shane Bieber, um, but then they add Jose Ramirez and Freddie Freeman. So let's just say that they didn't do um, any pitchers. Okay, I mean, that's Jose that's Ramirez really... and Freddie Freeman are added. That means that we're not that far off. Our Ozzy Albies love and our Xander Bogarts love. Bogarts is number nineteen. Albies is number thirty. It's. I mean, yeah. I have to. We have to retune the stolen bases. Apart from the guys that I think, I think what we need is basically a two-step function. Like the guys that are elite need to be rewarded for the fact that they're elite in stolen bases. I'm looking at the first four on our list. <laughs> That's Turner, Story, Ramirez. They need to be rewarded for that. Acuna needs to be rewarded heavily, more heavily for that. But after that, like when you get down to that 13 versus eight, it shouldn't be a huge yeah. premium. <laughs> right. No, it's you, you can't. We can't value him that much. But I guess I want to go back to what you said about like picking Albies or Bogarts in the second to third round. And I'm looking down the list and just wondering who you would be picking ahead of them. Like, where are you stuffing an extra 10 guys in here? You want me to get 10 guys who are behind Albies? That you would take I, ahead of him? i take. Yeah. i take, okay, Trout, Machado, sure. Yelich. Would I take DJ LeMayhew ahead of Ozzy Albies? Borderline. I would take Marte probably before Albies and Bogarts. Uh, let's see. Would you take Tim Anderson over Albies? No. We just, we're way high on Tim Anderson too. <laughs> no, that one's ridiculous. You know who I see over here in Fantasy Pros? Cody Bellinger. Where do we have Bellinger? Uh, we do not like Bellinger. We do not like Bellinger. We have him 39. You know, even though I do not like Francisco Lindor a lot, I'd probably I would take him over Albies, and can I, I would probably take him over Bogarts. Can I ask on the? Con- oh, that's interesting. Can I ask on the consensus rankings where Bellinger's average is? Because Bellinger's getting hammered by his average on our side. What his average is? Yeah, what what his projected average batting average is? I don't know. I don't. I don't see that in the. I'm oh. just. I'm just in the. Because the, the reason Bellinger's low is because we're forecasting him for a two fifty four, which is. Our Roto rankings do not like that. <laughs> I can understand that. So Arenado, I would still probably take Arenado over. So Arenado is hammered, hammered on our list because he didn't get any stolen bases. Bingo. Um, so actually, that, that's an interesting point because I think that is what's. If you want this list to be reflective of where you should pick a guy, then we really have to we really have to mess with the stolen base weighting because. Well, this is this is what we've talked about. Is that it's also it's not just that it's also that we need to add in the confidence, the confidence in that a player will hit that target. Like, I mean, Eric Hosmer. We have Eric Hosmer at eighteen. Could he do that? Yeah, but we, sure. But we talked about Eric Hosmer last year. We talked about Eric Hosmer in the past ago. couple of weeks. He had a really good twenty twenty. Yeah, I know. And Brown is back. I get it. But what it, I think that the whole point is like, what's the confidence that he's going to do that? And then it's also, it's not even just that. It's like, what is the chance that he's going to 
like exceed our predictions. You know, that's, that's what you're, you're, you're ranking not only just like what are we predicting that a player is going to be, but what is the chance that he is going to exceed those as well as what is the chance that where's the floor for that player, which is why a, a player that has such a high, like Raphael Devers, like, oh my God, his ceiling is immense. His floor is terrible <laughs> this year. And you ha- that's what you're doing when you're doing these predictions. But we have we have put these into one single number for each one of these. We have then put a ranking on that, and that doesn't quite say that's a predi- We have we have done a ranking on our predictions, which is a single number. But you're right. We need to figure out the the um, the distribution of outcomes. What is the weight that we should put on I th- the I whole? Think distribution of outcome yeah I, I think there's both the confidence and also just the draft practicality of like i will find stolen bases later i don't care about like i don't care about the fact that arenado is not stealing any bases yeah well, like i will go get a stolen base too. specialist yeah but that's part of the piece of this is i mean if we could get the stolen bases if you could have like if you could look at that ozzy albies is going to get between 10 and 16 mike trout could be at two he could be at 25 this year i'm pretty sure our okay so mike trout we go seven to 17 albies albies is seven to 22 right so we we basically have something like that already in terms of what we think is going to happen interesting We, we do but we're not ranking that no, we're not, and that's and that actually is like the thing that you might that we where we want to get more sophisticated this year as opposed in relation to things that we were doing last year. Yeah. Okay. I am. I'm just trying to think about how you can actually how can you rank a distribution. <laughs> yes, the fundamental question is really <laughs> in, the fundamental question is. I mean, that's a really deep question. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that that would, that would be like a that'd be like a monster you know, research data science project to answer. <laughs> like well, in, in the, most, I mean, in the hey, most generic sense. Well, in the same way that we could probably, we should probably split out the, um, uh, our clustering, you know, from the paper that we, the paper that Sloan rejected that we should have been presenting. Um, we had a very, very unique way of determining how many clusters we should have. Like we could make that that could be a twenty page paper by itself that we could that we should be submitting to data science weekly. Jeez, hopefully not weekly. That's that'd be so frequent. <laughs> Quarterly. Yeah. <laughs> but in the same way, like if we tackled this piece like we should at some point in time, we should um, you know, lick our wounds, dust that off, and try to insert that into some sort of other research periodical. Sure. In the same way, if we could figure out how to tackle this piece, ranking a distribution of outcomes, that would be a standalone, standalone work. All right. Is there anything more that you want to that you want to talk about here today at this juncture? Well, I got to fix the stolen bases. I'm feeling actually, I'm feeling actually quite bolstered about the on the pitching side, like the the balance of of pitchers versus hitters. I, I think we provide a pretty, you know, I think we provide a pretty good guideline. I think we provide a better guideline than consensus rankings about where you realistically want to pick someone for the exact reason that you said, which is innings 
pitched is going down. Yeah, I am fine with going with that as- assumption. We don't have a single pitcher forecast for more than 200 innings. Nope. You know? I know. We talked about that last week. Nope, it's not going to happen. Only four over 190. I think whatever pitcher decides that he's okay with going over 200 innings this year is going to hurt himself so much. Trevor Bauer. Going forward. Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, All right. Yeah, Cody Bellinger down at 30 now, right next to Corey Seager. I think that about brings us to the review session. Uh, Jurassic Park's Stefan Crichton. Well said, Jurassic Park's Stefan Crichton. Uh, he is nominally going to be the closer in Arizona this year, so they say. I guess. Sure. I have no data points to suggest otherwise. Let me give you his statistics here. Uh, he does not have a lot of he does not have a lot of seasons under his belt. He did not pitch in the majors in 2018. He did in 2017, also 2019-2020. In 2020. He faces 109 batters, goes 2-2, two two, wins losses, 2.42 ERA, 1.19 whip. He logs five saves over the past year across 26 innings, over which he got 23 strikeouts and nine walks. He's just lucky that he's in a closer position, right? <laughs> yeah. He has a low K rate. Yeah. He has basically no fastball spin. No. He has a really, he's only good at barrel percentage. Like, he's only good at stopping people from hitting the ball really hard. (laughs) Well, wait, I mean, this is a thing that we we talked about maybe wanting to add in here um, into our analysis was, like, the pitch fingerprinting stuff. Look at at his two pitches. Two pitches. Sinker curveball? That's not a closer mix. I don't know why he is a closer. Like, I legitimately don't understand why he's a closer. He doesn't throw hard, right? He tops out. He's basically topping out at 92. He throws two pitches. He, and, and people don't ball, whiff on him. A curveball is a great, I love a curveball. We, I mean, third it's pitch. part of my love. What? As a third pitch. Well, right. As a, I guess, as your strikeout, your go-to every once in a while strikeout pitch, use it. 15% of the time, and it is just deadly. I mean, that's part of the reason why I fell in love with Cole Hamels, was that, that curveball. I mean, and his good looks. Other than those two things, I mean, what does he have? Millions of dollars. Okay, anyways, I'll stop. Um, but sinker curveball for a reliever, I mean, for for someone who's a closer isn't, isn't really right. I We've talked about this before. The curveball is something that you kind of really need to be pitching a bunch to be able to find the strike zone with it effectively to have other people swing at it it's just, it just it just doesn't seem to be a smart pitch to have as a closer and if you see where he's where he's throwing it it's not really in the strike zone well i think i was going to say that was going to be my comment i think it's bad i have a new thought which is that it's bad if you have a pitcher who can't hit all corners of the strike zone like, yeah. there's no evidence to suggest that <laughs> Stephen Crichton could put a, a ball in the upper half of the strike zone if he wanted to. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and you wouldn't want him that's to. That's really bad. You wouldn't the, want him to. If my point is ball left up there, sinker left up there. Sure. My, my point is, is just like, that's bad. If you, if you have a pitch arsenal that doesn't allow you to use the whole zone, <laughs> that, 
it's not good. He gets a lot of whiffs on his on his curveball. 44.6%. I I mean but there again, this is one of those things that we were talking about with like um James Karnchak. It's like okay, well, we're going to have another season to look at him and know like can't hit the strike zone with his curveball. So why am I going to swing at it? So here here's the reason that he is the closer. It's because the guy behind him is Kevin Ginkle. Excuse me. Which is to say, Arizona just has no bullpen. Yeah, well, I don't. I, like, I'm not expecting big things out of Arizona this year. Like Archie Bradley's gone, right? So they're just they're just really running on fumes, which makes it kind of interesting from a fantasy perspective because, like, they're not that good of a team. They're probably are going to be save opportunities. They, it seems incredibly doubtful that Crichton is going to hold on to that for any period, any long period of time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that he managed to get five saves last year anyway. Yeah, so what, are, what is he going to get this year? He's the 39th um, relief pitcher in Fantasy Pros consensus. But I sort of, I mean, I sort of think that's about right in the sense that, you know, if you assume that every other team has a closer that's better than him and a few backup closers that are better than him... <laughs> How do you like this name for Chicago White Sox? Aaron Bummer. I know. Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer. uh, What a bummer. (laughs) Aaron Bummer. He's following up. He's following Liam Hendricks right there. Yeah. Yeah, I should say. I mean, was there anything about his actual, um, when you watch him pitch, is there anything about him that you like? uh, (laughs) No. Is there anything you like about it? Let me... No, there's not. There's nothing distinct. There's nothing really that distinct. I mean, it's like there's a lot of players. It's like slight sidearm. Um, he looks like no. I I really don't want him on my team. I don't want him on my team. How late would you would you let him slip before you were like, mm, fine? I really don't know. I mean, I'd have to have nobody. I'd have to, I really, I'd have to have my starting lineup full and then I'd be, and if I had picked someone who didn't look like I was entirely sure they were going to start the season as a closer, I would, I would take him. Okay. That's exactly like, what I would do. If I had Colome, if I like pick Colome oh. and he still wasn't signed or he was signed in a situation where it was like, well, he's actually going to be the setup man and you're not for long. I would I, I might pick up Crichton and be like, okay, well at least I have a you know, I have a half dollar and, and a quarter, so it's almost a buck. <laughs> sure. Sure. I Six accept eggs. I accept that. Who are we gonna do next week? Jake Diekman? <laughs> we are ending strong. <laughs> Scra- scraping the barrel, bud. This I hate this. I'm sorry, the volume is just fucked. Um Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.